Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face to face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey, welcome everybody to Encounter Grace. I'm Jason McKnight, and I'm here with Ben Hendricks. Ben, uh, this is the first one that we're recording since I turned 50. And everything's in HD now. Look at everything's that. in HD. All the wrinkles. Your eyesight even got better. better. <laughs> I think since I hit 50, I can put my readers on. I mean, uh, I'm just doing it. Uh, I took the cardigan off, so at least looking like Mr. Rogers. That should have been the mail, right? <laughs> Along with my AARP card. Anyway. <laughs> so. Today, we're not talking about turning 50 or Ben turning 27. No, he, I'm just kidding. He's in his 30s. Next up, 60, Ben. Uh, everybody knows the word church, and we all have a different reference point for it. Some people, first, when they hear the word church, they think of the building they go to on Sunday mm-hmm. or the building they avoid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, others think of the place and the people they belong to, the community they belong to for 40 years or something like that. You know, wow, what a great thing. Maybe if you're global-minded, you're thinking of all around the world, God's people, And uh, maybe some people are also, if they've lost some loved ones who know the Lord, they're thinking of also the church in heaven and on earth in the communion of saints. Mm. Well, what, that's what we think of. What does God think of when he thinks of the church, when he says church, what does he intend or what is he up to? What does he love? What is he redeeming? We are going to unpack all of this kind of stuff today. What does God think of when he hears the word church? Yeah. Now, now that's a little anthrop- anthropomorphism, if that's a word, because God doesn't just hear the word church and it comes to his mind. Like he thought it up, but we're going we're gonna to lean into it and say, what is he intending or thinking or loving or redeeming? Ben, why are we talking about this? Yeah, I mean, mainly two reasons. One, uh, I mean, I, this is one of the most influential things for me in my three years in seminary, hmm. uh, just sitting in a New Testament two class, getting to talk about uh, what the church is and then systematic theology. Right. Uh, and it was just helpful for me because I mean, just a reminder, like I wasn't raised in church. So church was always just something Christians did. Hmm. Uh, and so this was helpful for me to have a, like to kind of renew my understanding of what the, ch- of, of who the church is and that the church actually has a purpose that God has given it. And then secondly, because I actually just got to teach on this in our Saturday seminary class uh, just this past month. And of all the things uh, that I got to teach on, I, like I could see it, that this was one of the most helpful and life-giving things that we talked about. Fortunately, I started with it, so the rest, it just tailed off from there. But uh, <laughs> I, just talking with so many people, it's like, oh, that's, it's helpful and clarifying to know this thing that we do, this place that we go, this group that we're with. Like, this is how God sees it. I love that. You know, I remember in my 20s reading a book that helped me tremendously. It was, well, and the reason I read it, two reasons, it was very small. (laughs) And it was inscribed to my dad by a guy named Keith Price up in Canada. And it wasn't written by Keith, but he said, this has helped me more pray better. This is more than anything else, pray better. And I thought, well, I want to pray better. Well, it was all about the church and God's ideas for the church. And it just really helped me like to think of it from heaven's perspective. And I hadn't thought of that before in my twenties and it, and it really, really helped me. So you're going to help us. You're going to lead us and lay out seven characteristics 
uh, of what God is thinking of when he's thinking of the church or what yeah. he's doing and accomplishing when he's building the church. And these characteristics grow. They build on each other. They're progressive. They're not just a list that you could put them in any order. Yep. Right? They're actually foundational all the way up to the rooftop, let's say. And um, But before we get to that, you have a little thing there and that you help the seminary people on Saturday with a covenant relationship. God always relates to his people in covenant relationship. What what are we talking about there? Because I think that is really important. Yeah, because at the foundation to understand the church, you have to understand that uh, God has always related to his people covenantally. So in a covenant relationship, all the way from, uh, I mean, Adam, mm. Abraham, mm. Moses, yep. like and on, that God is always related with his people. Those are individual. And then with the people of Israel, through a covenantal relationship. And so when that transitions into the new covenant, so we talk about that in the old covenant, right? Then we go into the new covenant that we see in the new Testament, right? God doesn't change the way he relates to people. Right. Now, some of those things change. Yes. For sure. Externals. Yeah. But God is still relating to his people covenantally. Mm-hmm. And so this is a good reminder that, the New Testament church is the means by which God is relating to his people covenantally. Right. And we're going to, and that'll end up being one of those seven. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but like, we just need to remind, remind ourselves that the church is God's relationship to his people now. Yeah. Through the new covenant. That's just what it is. Great. So foundation number one, level one on this thing is what? Uh, that the church is uh, waiting with bated breath. Well, it's a big fancy word, but it's one that it's it's pretty simple. So that the church is doxological, and so uh, if you know any Greek at all, this might be one of the words you know in the word mm. doxa, and it just means glory. And so mm. that the church is centered and focused on God's glory. Mm. We see that all throughout the Bible. I mean, in Psalm nineteen one, God has created everything to be oriented to give him glory, the heavens and the earth, Psalm 29, one to two, the angelic realms, even uh, that in Psalm eight to five, human beings are the divine image bearers. We even see that through, like this through humanity, like through the problem of sin, Romans 1, 23, 3, 23, that the wages of sin are, is death, but that the gift of, a, of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, right? And so in Ephesians 1, 11 to 12, this reversal for Christ's followers, that when we come to Christ, we are bringing glory to him because it's mm. his workings, yeah. his outwork, the outworking of, of his salvation to us. And it's bringing him glory. And we see that in no greater place than ultimately the church, I believe. And so we just talk, we talk about this a lot again in Ephesians 1. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been, been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his counsel of will. Why? So that we who were the first hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. <laughs> and so lastly, in the church, similarly, the church is to be oriented towards the glory of God. We see that in Ephesians 3. The, the focus of the church is to bring glory to God. It's why we do things the way we do them. I mean, it's why we pray. It's why we sing. It's why we 
Uh, and we'll get to this in just a second, why we have messages that focus on the preaching of his word, because it's all meant to bring glory to him. And not just any glory in any possible way, but some sense of the glory through the means by which God has invited him to receive the glory. Mm-hmm. That's a, might be a confusing way that to just say <laughs> this, that he's like, he he wants not just glory, but orthodoxological glory. So oh my goodness. to make that less confusing <laughs> is glory through his means, yeah. right? The right way or yep. so. And so that, that, that can often just be a helpful thing. So the reminder mm. is, is that the church, like the one that you go to, mm. Uh-oh. all of the issues with it, but mm. the church is the avenue by which God is bringing glory to himself, the new covenant. Like we just need that reminder, friends. Like, I mean, because we all have our own qualms, like we all have our own issues. We wish it would do this. We wish it had this. We think this should go, be a direction or how, whatever style. And then we have issues with other people's church or whatever it is. But it's just helpful to remember that the church is the avenue by which God has decided. He didn't actually fall into this. It wasn't the last resort. I can't get glory any other way, so I'll just get it this mm-hmm. way. This was his decisive avenue by which God decided to bring glory to himself in the new covenant. It's just important. And that foundation means just because when you're driving down the road and you see the word church on a building, it isn't necessarily God's idea Hmm. if they're not bringing glory to God. So, and this leads into our second level, but, you know, sometimes people are so far off in their doctrine that it, it is so far from biblical unveiling of who God is, that they're not bringing glory to God. Yep. And that's that kind of that idea of the orthodoxological, which is, again, the really fancy way that we're going to ultimately bring clarity to with number two. Yeah. So we, we, so the church in God's mind is his means to bring glory to himself. And there's no greater thing we could bring glory to. Okay. That's number one. Number two, you have here in the notes you gave me, and I had to get a thesaurus to look it all up dictionary. Uh, Number two, logo centric. Yep. So we all have this really cool encounter grace logo. Yeah, that's it. exactly <laughs> no, not at all. You find your logo and you stick by it. Uh, again, it's a Greek word. Again, if, if you know any Greek, this is another one of the ones you probably know the word logos or logos. It just means word. And so here's, what's interesting is we often think of word, uh, in only kind of a one dimensional way. Mm-hmm. We usually pick the way we use, but we usually just think of the Bible, but, uh, logos logos has two senses to it. And, when the if the church is going to going to be logo logo centric it needs to have both and so the first sense is that we are built upon Jesus Christ the yeah. incarnate word of god yeah. Yeah. so that's john 1 1 that's john 1 or john 14 mm-hmm. that the church is centered on christ as the word of god matthew 16:8 ephesians 2:20 ephesians 1:20 20 to 23 if you guys want to write all these down uh, if I'm going to make big claims, I like to have some scripture behind them, right? Yeah. So that the the church is built upon and is for Jesus Christ, the incarnate word of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the second one is scripture, the inspired word of God. So we have the incarnate word, mm-hmm. incarnate word of God means the word of God made flesh incarnate, right? And so the inspired word, the word mm-hmm. that is written that was inspired yeah. by God. And so that's... Our Bibles, and this is where if we've ever spent any time studying God's Word, we get those big, like the kind of the 
the theological words, like the inspired word of God, the sufficient mm-hmm. word, that mm-hmm. it's, the word of God is necessary, that it's inerrant. We all probably all know that one. That's also clear, authoritative, and productive because the church is built for Jesus and it's built on the word, right? I, I think those are worth saying yeah. again and, and making sure, like, yes, it's logocentric, Jesus-centric, the word made flesh, but then the word written by God inspired. He wrote the Word of God. And and a church that doesn't say that, well, maybe... Anyway, so we do. Yeah. And this is what God's thinking. Um, it is... The Scriptures are sufficient. Sufficient for what? Well, for salvation. Mm-hmm. First Peter says, for everything we need for life and godliness, He's given us. And that's... They come from Scripture. So, you know, God can speak to us on the mountaintop, but if you only ever hear Him on the mountaintop and you never hear Him in Scripture... You're probably not hearing God's voice too yep. much, or it's going to be echoey and dim. Sufficient. Scriptures are sufficient to make us wise to salvation. They're necessary. That's where he promised he would speak to us. Yep. They're truthful. They're inerrant. Without an error in everything that they affirm, they are clear. Um, <laughs> the, this is one of the things the, the Reformers got right. Yeah. Because before then... The medieval Catholic Church said you need a priest to mediate the understanding of Scripture. And honestly, the priests didn't go to seminary either. <laughs> uh, but the Reformers said, lo and behold, in the 1500s, 1600s, no, God's Word speaks to everyone. Yeah. And I mean, thanks be to God. Authoritative. We don't use experience or culture or tradition to interpret Scripture, we use Scripture authoritatively to interpret all those. Yeah. I think that's good. And then I love, I never thought of this last one, productive, Ben. Where'd you get that one? That's great. Uh, it was just one of those ones, again, that actually, I mean, in, sim- in a similar way, like <laughs> sitting in a class yeah. in seminary, just going through these. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get this one. Yeah, I get this one. It's productive. What, what do you mean? Like, there's a purpose to this. Yeah. And it's to produce. It brings fruit. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's not, then it's not the word, right? Or it's not, I mean, then we're not, we're missing something. We, I mean, I was running with Steve and Carol this morning and we were talking about what happens when you memorize scripture and repeat it to yourself. Mm. The truth is going in you. And so then you, your inner self has something to work on. Yep. To, to line up with it. It brings productivity. It brings, I mean, brings fruit. Anyway, I love it. And so again, like the word of God is central to the church. And so that means, yes, absolutely, in, in the incarnate word through Jesus, but also through the inspired word, our Bibles. We need to be in churches that are focused on that. Uh, one of my favorite quotes was by a man, a, a teacher and a theologian in P.T. Forsyth. He said, if we are not going to use our Bible, it is of no use building our churches because Amen. the church is built on the word. It is. There is just no doubt about it. All right. So logocentric after doxological. Yep. And now we go on because the words get bigger. I hope this is the <laughs> biggest word. But number three, uh, go ahead and you you pronounce it. Well, this is why we can charge so much to listen to this podcast for words like this. Uh, again, we're going down the Greek route. Because, but, but this is actually really good. Well, and this is the one so, that uh, we often miss. That's true. And... I, I like to highlight as often as I can because, again, this is the one we leave out, that the church, number three, is that the church is pneuma dynamic. Pneuma, another Greek word, right? It means spirit. Mm-hmm. It's just what it means. But the church, and we just need to remember this. Like, like pneumatic in yep. my car. The spirit. Yeah. Yeah. My, no, I'm yeah, just yeah, kidding. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> but pneumatic, air, yeah. breath, spirit. Yeah. Uh, so the church is pneuma dynamic or created 
gathered, gifted, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think we forget that. Oh, I love it. Specific ministries of the Holy Spirit are directed at inaugurating, building up, and strengthening churches. The church, like the proof text of this, and there's tons of them, but the foundational one to me is Acts 2. It has to be. The day of Pentecost. <laughs> it has like, to be. At the heart of the origin of the church is whom? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, he births it. Yeah. God, and, and it's, yeah. it's different than creation where he's hovering over the waters. Yeah. There's a continuity, there's a similarity, but what God is doing in the church, pneuma dynamic, it is only coming into being through the Spirit. See, uh, anyway, we often think of the church as being like just missional, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, even in Acts 1 to 8, like the, but it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Okay, great. So dynamic. Mm -hmm. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Like, the Holy Spirit is the power by which we go. Like, that's the force. Mm-hmm. And, and not the force as in Star Wars, right? But a <laughs> force from the Lord that we all have. And so, again, that the, as a part of that, the Holy Spirit is the means by which we fulfill the Great Commission. And ultimately, I love this part because I love tying in with, because God always answers his promises. And the Holy Spirit is ultimately the promise made to Abraham to be a blessing to the nations. Like, yeah, that we man. will go and be, like... He's made sure that's happened because he's given us himself through the whole, I mean, in the Holy Spirit. So 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each is given the manif- manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then 11, all these are empowered by one, the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Like, And there's so many more scriptures yeah. to go with this. But the Holy Spirit works powerfully to inaugurate, build up, and strengthen the church. The Holy Spirit provides the power. Holy Spirit provides power. Dynamo, power, spirit, pneuma, pneuma, dynamic. Yep. Number one, number two, number three, doxological, logocentric, pneuma, dynamic. There's the Trinity. The church is Trinitarian. Yep. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, I also think in number three here, pneuma, dynamic, is where the idea of the body of Christ Hmm. comes to the fore because it is, and and it's sometimes called the flock of God or the household of God or the body of Christ or so on and so forth. But what I have been so enriched by is how Grace Fellowship uses the terms body of Christ. Yeah. And and what it does for me is it takes it from being an organization to be an organism. Hmm. And here's the spirit pneumodynamically <laughs> yeah. building us together so that we belong to each other and we... Uh, like when when one is hurting, the rest hurt. And it's not just because, well, we've run it through the benevolence organization chart. <laughs> it's that my heart breaks. Mm. And so I just want to pour out. Or when one rejoices, we all rejoice. And it's not just because we sent out, you know, the email. It's that, man, we just know it. And we're the body. And Jesus is the head. We're the body. It's an organism. I just think because of the spirit, that's how that happened. Well, we know that's how that happened, yeah. but but I think that's where that one fits in here. And it's mm-hmm. even to me the it it just keeps it alive. Yeah, like that's what to me this number three does. Newman dynamic. It just because we're part of something living. Yeah, and it's not that's just something so fair, living. Yeah. It's the body of Jesus because the spirit is knitting us together in our local churches as well as around the world. Yep. Amen. Okay. What is, is that all we need to say on Newman Dynamic? I think there's a lot more, but probably all we've got time for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe one time we'll do a podcast on what it means to be, you know, following the Spirit, too. I'm just telling you. 
Yeah, yeah that's true. That's coming. That's coming. Yeah. Numa listener. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so number four, uh, and it's one that I, I think a lot of us will know. A lot of these will go Because you've faster. already mentioned this, yeah. Yep. Uh, is that is that the church is covenantal. And so we just always need to be remembering this because it's it wasn't covenantal once, but we see this through the avenues of just churches in general. I mean, through different denominations. Uh, I, I like to teach you the way that we go through it here at Grace. So the church is covenantal or gathered as members in the new covenant relationship with God. Mm. And, and this is important, in new covenant re- relationship with each other. So in a relationship with you and the Lord, mm-hmm. so you and God. Us and the Lord, yeah. And then with one another, with, with you and each other. Yep. So two senses of covenant, Excellent. right? Excellent. The church is a new covenant relationship with God through Christ. And and God, when he covenants, which back to Abraham and Adam and Israel, is he's binding himself to his people. Absolutely. And it's him unilaterally doing it. And that, I think, is a major focus. It's unilateral. Like, I don't know about you. I offered very little to the uh, covenantal sacrificial lamb <laughs> Less of Jesus. Less than most, Ben. Yeah, Less than most. I know. <laughs> and, and so it's unilateral. Like, we, we, again, and this yeah. is going down a, yeah. like a can go down a rabbit hole, but like I, I offered nothing to that, right? Like even in my mm. faith, like it's grace through faith, right? Like yeah. even my faith is a response to that. It's, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. but the, the church, so two senses that the church is covenantal. One covenantal relationship with God through Christ, because Jesus is the covenantal sacrificial lamb. Yeah. But secondly, the, that church members in covenant relationship with one another I think we forget this at time to time. I don't think we actually forget this at Grace. Like, I, I think the elders uh, have done a great job of uh, like probably inculcating this to mm-hmm. in, to be part of the vision, part of the body, but that we are responsible as members of the church to one another. Mm-hmm. And so we do that through a I couple ways true, yeah. uh, here at Grace. Like right now going on, uh, we still have Discovering Grace, this uh, this class, about two months or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's long, and, but it's, and it's worth it for newcomers mm-hmm. that tells about who we are. It's our doctrine. It's our views on the church and so many other things. Mm-hmm. And that if you take that class and you want to, then you can become a member, right? And then you get these things called uh, like a membership covenant. Like, here's what we're asking of you, but also here's what you can ask of us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what do we do? We, after that class, we, the people who want to become members, they go up on a Sunday morning, they go up on stage and we have a, we don't call it this, but it's a membership ceremony, right? It is. It is. And so we go through the covenant and you, you walk everyone through the covenant and you look to the new members and say, here, your, here's your responsibility for you to the body. Things like giving, things like prayer, how about service in general? And then you look at the body and you go, Oh, and here's your responsibility to them. Mm-hmm. And there, it's the same responsibilities. Like, hey, you're willing to give to, like to them and yeah, pray for yeah, them and serve yeah. them. And then the body now affirms this covenant together. And then the way you always finish it, we pray together. Yeah, we, pray we give together. thanks to the Lord mm-hmm. because we are primarily in covenant to God through Jesus. But in the church, we are in covenant together. We're in relationship with one another. We're responsible for one another. You're responsible for me. I'm responsible for you. I find so much joy and hope in that. Well, I really do. And and Ben, it's that second part that if more believers could rejoice in that, it's just an un. It's just it just changes everything because no. some sometimes a local church can be focused on a membership role, 
And like we want, like, wow, our membership role grew by 20% this year, or we have this many names on our roles, and it just doesn't matter. But if we're in covenant relationship with each other, in each other's lives, loving each other, seeing Jesus bring about doxological, pneumodynamic, logocentric fruit, that's what matters. And then you're blessing me and I'm blessing you and we're becoming more like Jesus and we're helping the world see Jesus because we're becoming one. But that only happens in covenant. That doesn't necessarily happen because my name's on a roll. Yeah. And so while while the, the outward form is membership but the key is membership covenant. <laughs> yeah, it seems like these are kind of like, I don't know if they're businessy, but they, but it's exactly what Paul is talking about when he's talking about the body of Christ, right? Like, just to go back to your point, like, when yeah, he was talking body. about member, like, you know, I, I love you. You're just a foot. That's okay. Be a good foot. You know, just <laughs> don't be smelly, toe. right? Yeah. <laughs> but you're a hand and then you're the, yeah. you're the ear, good old ear. Anyways, <laughs> but like, and what I love about this is the reminder, like, the body is better with you in it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just don't hear as well when you're the ear and you don't show up. And I, I, I've said this to people and you can take it offensively, but it's like, no, like I'm just reminding you, like you have a value because you're part of this church and that you bring, and we're better when you're here mm-hmm. because we're in covenant together. Like I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the church, man. So number five. Oh wow, we're over the hump. We're halfway there, even even going farther. Should be a good song about that. Okay, number five. <laughs> that the church is confessional. Uh oh. I know. We're getting weird now. Confessional. Okay, so the church is confessional or united. This will be a little fancy wording, I think. Or united by both personal confession of faith in Christ mm-hmm. and common confession of the historic Christian faith. Oh, so, these are good. Yeah. So we're confessional in two senses, right? Personal confession of faith in the saving lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans 10, 8 to 13, right there. That's a, a verbal confession with one mouth. only four years away from that on Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we have verbal, our visible con, uh, expressions of this confession, the way like we're living our lives, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and then a baptism. Yep. And a part of that is that personal confession of faith in Jesus Christ is a requisite element of salvation mm-hmm. because we declare. Yep. We believe. Okay. Yeah. That's the first way. The second so way. So that's individual. That's yep. personal. Okay. All right. Let, then we get big. Confession. Yeah. A common corporate confession of the church's faith. Mm-hmm. Things like First Timothy 3, 15 to 16. The church must speak or confess the truth in love. That's Ephesians 4. This truth is conf- was confessing was the antidote to heretical teaching. Like, I love this stuff. Like, because it's what this means is that it's it's the church, the members of the body confessing what is true amongst itself. Mm-hmm. And when you're reminding each other of what is true, you're you're all you're ultimately pushing away heretical things, that heretical drift too. Because it's easy, like when a bunch of people are like, well, I kind of believe this now. I kind of believe it. but it's when people are confessing the the truth and the, the truthful doctrine of the church, you go, Oh wait, this doesn't this doesn't sit well with that. Wait, what's going what where's the oh yeah, I, I've kind of strayed off here. Does that make sense? Yep. And yep. so the church... Keeps you orthodox. Yep. It keeps you in that orthodoxological spot, right? So that we're... <laughs> it's true, Glorifying though. God in yeah. the way that he wants to be. And you and this is why, especially a non-denominational church, absolutely needs to have a newcomer's class. Yep. Because people need to know, are we whacked? Yeah. And so what's interesting is I actually think this is one of those keys to maturity. Because mm. we're constantly confessing to ourselves and to one another... What is truthful? What is right? What is good? 
Yeah. And it it's it's building up. Like it just builds up the faith. It builds up me. It builds up like I we do this in student ministry. We do this uh in house churches all the time. I mean, it's part of memorizing scripture. It's part of going through uh just I mean, just a lot of scripture all the time. Uh I, I just was blanking on um I mean uh like like it's it's yeah. almost like a catechistic thing. Mm-hmm. Like of mm-hmm. well, I have a, well, what is the purpose of this? What, what's the reason? Like, and it's answering those questions over and over and we're doing it. And like, we don't have a, you know, Grace Fellowship Church catechism, but we're in community together mm-hmm. and we're centered on the word of God. And so we're doing this naturally in many ways. And I think it's one of the reasons why we have such maturity here. Well, and so when we think of confessional I, I would add four four little things into this. Okay, is yeah. number one is where do we learn the common corporate confession of a church's faith, like of mm-hmm. the church's faith? Well, hymns and biblical worship songs. There is so much doctrine in there, and you got to have your eyes open because there's also so many catchy tunes that have bad doctrine. Yeah. <laughs> but I learned a whole bunch of theology and biblical uh, truths through the worship songs, the hymns, the spiritual songs that we sing in our churches and in, in stuff over the years. So that's one place. Okay. Good song. So always, always be careful of what you listen to and don't just only go for the cool sounding things on the radio. Say, hey, does this match up with scripture? I think this is what our worship mm-hmm. team, what Kent does extremely well. He keeps it as cool uh, and as hip and as late you know, as possible. But he vets every song and he doesn't put the, yep. he doesn't put anything. We, he does not introduce to the church just because it gets a lot of playtime on the Christian radio stations. Yeah. And he doesn't jettison old songs that need to be sung. Because yeah. <laughs> by the way, not every old song was good. Mm. Lots of bad doctrine in old songs. So, all right, number one. Number two, creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. Yeah. These are a way to keep your confession strong because they're, uh, what the church kind of they they set the the fence around which there's orth, uh, orthodoxy within the creeds. If you can affirm the creed from the heart, that's biblical. Yeah, it stood the test of time too. Like, right? It stood I mean, the test of time exactly. Confessions of faith, the the great confessions of faith, the Westminster Confession, the Belgic Confession. There's a few more out there, and you know those are good, and they're just sort of top to bottom. They're just worth, if you're trying to say on my own at home, how do I grow in Jesus a little bit and know what the confessing church said over the years? There's other places. And the last one is what you just said, catechisms. Yeah. Heidelberg Catechism, Westminster Shorter Catechism, New City Catechism, which yep. is maybe 20, 30 years old. All three of those are excellent. And I, I agree with almost all of them. <laughs> There's always a couple of questions. I'm like, I wouldn't have written it that way. But other than that, a way to a way to learn or teach catechisms, confessions, creeds, and then hymns and and biblical worship songs. Yeah, and the, because content, our faith has a content. Yeah, and we can't get the content wrong, or we're not doxological, logocentric, pneumodynamic. Amen. Well, I think we should take yeah. the offering. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I was going to be sarcastic, surprising, <laughs> and, and you know, make these great again, but. Make catechisms great again. Anyway, so the next one. You just um, triggered eight people. Um, that's okay. Well, forgive me. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. But anyway, so, okay. So as 
as we talked about, these are progressive, right? And so this, the next one, I think, is you one just of the, triggered a different eight people. Well, okay, <laughs> these seven uh, are they're building. They yeah, they progress. They they they, they are getting. They're building, yeah. Anyways, guys, we got you. Uh, We're down to six listeners now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they're doxological. Okay, great. So the the point of the church is that it's mm. meant to bring glory. Yeah. Uh, and it's built on the incarnate Word of God, mm. in the inspired Word of God, beautiful, with the power of the Holy Spirit. So pneuma dynamic. Love it. Awesome. And we're it, the church is strong because it's covenantal, one with ultimately with God. Can't break that. It's unilateral. He made it with you. That's an amazing mm-hmm. thing. He made it with his church. And then you with the people, like the other people in your church. Awesome. And then confessional. So we're being again made strong through confessional. Mm-hmm. And so here's why the I love individual and yeah, corporate. Love it. Here's why I love the and, and so here's almost the reason for why for so much of that. Now it's not just that, but it's because the church is number six, missional. Okay, so the church is missional or identified as the body of divinely called and divinely sent ministers to proclaim the gospel and advance the kingdom of God. Okay, Say that again. Yeah, that, that's a mouthful. But that's good. The church is missional or identified as the body of divinely called and divinely sent ministers. Okay, to do what? to proclaim the gospel and advance the kingdom of God. Love it. So here's the beauty of that. You didn't call yourself into missions, and you're not sending yourself into missions. As part of the church, God has sent the church. He sent us, right? Yeah. There's a lot of power in that. He's divinely called and divinely sent ministers to proclaim what? The gospel hmm. and to advance the kingdom of God. It's both of those. That's right. And they're they're a little different, and we need to do both. We absolutely do. And we've talked about this before with church planning. Like, there's proclaiming the gospel and advancing the kingdom of God. So, just the we see this a lot. I mean, John twenty, the Father commissioned the Son, mm. and so what is the commission? We talked about this just the other day, the missio dei, the mission of God. So, as the Son was commissioned by the Father with this miss- mission, so the Son does what? Commissions his disciples with that mission. <laughs> the Father sent the Son to the world, and so the Son sends His church to the world, right? I mean, that's it. So that's great. Four, four, five great commissions. End of each gospel, beginning of Acts. Five yep. great commissions. What a great Bible study you could do there. That is a good one. Yeah. And I was, I was, because they're all a little bit different. And I, I love a good illustration or a metaphor. Like oh. the Bible uses two metaphors, at least, of the missional church. So in Luke 8, uh, a lit lamp. Mm hmm. Uh, and then the terrifying one in so many ways, Revelation, Revelation 2, a lampstand. And they're talking about like him removing that lampstand hmm. from the church. Like, yeah, I, th- I think we forget this, that our ability and power and calling to, to go out is a gift. Hmm. And God can take that away. But he's invited us to do that. We've seen local churches where he has taken it away. Yep. Places that were vibrant, generations gone by, and decaying now. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that. And and grace could be that in 20 years, 50 years. I mean, I pray not. Yeah. But mm, we have to be missional. We have to. We do not exist for ourselves. And I think this is a hard thing for um, leaders in a local church because we're saying, well, we need to be shepherds. And yeah. we do. But why? So we're a comfy club? 
Hmm. No, so that everyone is overflowing with the gospel, yeah. proclaiming, sharing their faith, and doing, building the kingdom, advancing. Yeah. Anyway. And then so let's hit number seven. Oh, boy. Are we already there? Well, for the most part. I've been putting this one off. Do you remember that? Never mind. (laughs) Number seven. Uh, Do you want to start off with the really complicated phrasing or the easy one? Already not yet. Okay, yeah. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) this is... Well, I wonder why this is the one that caught on and not my version. Uh, The church is already not yet. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, To be uh, specific and very confusing. Mm, I love it. Uh, but it's actually how we're going to kind of walk through them. But it, it's saying the already not yet idea that the church is so already not yet, but the church is spatio, temporal, eschatological. This would be the time to hit pause and go Google those words. <laughs> spatio, temporal, eschatological. Eschatological. Okay, so let's just walk through those three. Yeah, the church. The church has a spatial characteristic, so it is in space, right? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, that's all. So not outer space. Yep. Time in space. space. Yeah. yeah. Space. Okay. Uh, the most common notion of today, the way that we think of this is the church is a building. Mm-hmm. It is that. Yeah. But I mean, it's the people in the building. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to, two of my favorite quotes on the church is the, is Hunsberger. He said, the, the church is the place where certain things happen. Hmm. But my favorite one, and uh, one that we probably all know here for the most part is Bonhoeffer. He said, the body of Christ takes up physical space here on earth. Like, it's not just the building. It's the people. The people. And it's, I mean, it's it's also the pneumodynamic nature of the, like, the spirit is there. Mm -hmm. Like, the spirit himself is taking up space. I love that. And and that's why a house church community that loves each other, when when you invite your your pre-believing friend into that space, they're like, wait, I don't know. I've never seen this. This, yeah. this is, wait, I mean, we're joking with each other and someone's not crying yeah. <laughs> or it's not all sexual innuendo. Like, what do you mean? You can joke and, and it be on the up and up. Yeah. We, we, we respect each other. We hear each other. We move to, wow, I don't have that at work. I don't have that in my extended family. I don't have that. Yeah. Like, it's an amazing thing. But that space where the church is takes up physical space. That's a good thing. So time. Yep. The next yeah, this, then there's this idea of time, right? So the church is, we just need to remind you, the church is across time as well as it's right here today. Like, so we, do, we often don't think of this because we just think of, well, the church is, if we just think it's a building, uh, then we go, well, you know, Grace Fellowship Church has been here for about 20-something years, and that's mm-hmm. when it was. But we just need to remind like, the church is across time. The church of the past is the church of today. Like, this is mm-hmm. so important. And part of that is this is what this means, is that the church is both influenced by the past and the present because we're taking on those catechisms. We're taking on those confessions and their faithfulness then, and we'll touch this in just a second, influences our faithfulness today. Like we're we're not God. We're not building a church and a faith ex nihilo. We're taking what the faithfulness of of those who came before us and we're walking with that today. One, that should bring us hope because it's not just on you and those little mess-ups we have. Or when, as pastors, the things that we said, we go, I wish I could take that back. Well, in the context of all the faithfulness and then all the faithfulness in your own life, like, it's going to fall away, right? But it's going to be okay. 
So the church is both influenced by the past and the present. So the faithfulness and works of the early church affect our current church today. Like that's just mm, I love it. important. So then the same is true for us. And so why all this ultimately matters is that a future that goes beyond the current manifestation of a gathered people demands that the church work diligently to establish and maintain a good reputation in the community. Here's what just all that means is that we have a, we have a responsibility to remain faithful, to preach the gospel, to go out in mission, to be pneumodynamic, to be logocentric, to be all of these things, because like we've been influenced by the past, we will influence people today and we will make a difference for the future. Like the church of our grandchildren is being yeah. built and formed and birthed and birthed right now. Mm-hmm. And that should excite us and yeah. humble us to a terrifying mm-hmm. place. <laughs> and look, the Lord is faithful. And despite our mistakes, his church will remain. Absolutely. I will build my church. Yep. And nothing can stop that. Yep. Not even me. <laughs> and your blunders. Yeah. But there's so much joy in that because of not even you can mess that up. And you have like, you have a legacy like despite the amount of money you you can leave to grandchildren or whatever, despite the stories or the gifts or whatever, like the church is that gift that will remain and you can make a mark on it because the Lord's done that. He's given us that, that ability. So it's already here and it's not yet here. And yeah. we're part of both. So I got excited. I'm no, I love those. it. Sorry. I just love it. I think it's so good. But to think that, I mean... Well, and I talked to my grandmother. I I talked to her. She's, uh, I just had a birthday. You know, she's over twice my age. So just do the math yourself. I don't embarrass her because she listens (laughs) to every episode uh, if she can find them on her iTunes. But um, she prays for every one of her family members every day. There's 60 of us. Hmm. And, you know, Second or third John, wherever John says, I have no greater joy than to know my children walk in the truth. I mean, that is so true in her life. And she just, but why we're walking in the truth today is because she walked in the truth yeah. 98, 95, 93 years ago, and then 80 years ago, and then 60 years ago, and then 50 years ago. Like, it's, we all affect the next generation. Mm-hmm. So we're already the church and we're not yet the church. We're helping the not yet part. In our lives and, and family lines, but also, yeah, because the gospel witness of Grace Fellowship here, when we affect our community and send missionaries out, we just do not know what the missionaries in different countries that we've had a share in supporting and praying for. We don't know what God is doing through them. It's yeah. going to be so fun in heaven to see the whole web come together. Yeah. It's going to take about 28 million years <laughs> to figure it all out. I think we have enough time. Yeah, I think we Well, yeah. Well, and and one of the cool things about the already not yet is like again, we're only seeing the beauty of the church with at some level like really dim lighting. Like even yeah. though we're in it and we're right here, like we're not seeing it in its fullness yet. Like it's it is already here, but it's also not yet here in fullness as well. And so that's part of that excitement of getting to look to like I I don't know, I just get moved by watching the grace or the the even the 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 power that I see in the church and I go and this isn't all of it. Yeah. Like this yeah. is only some of it. Yeah. And I'm seeing it over in Africa. I'm seeing it in the Dominican Republic and I'm seeing it in East Kinston and we're seeing it all over and just right here at home. I'm like, this is just it in part. Mm-hmm. Like that's exciting to me. When I went to seminary, 
one of the elders in our church, really strong church in Montreal, um, but low church, kind of like Grace, just real, just about relationships, about the word, about missions, you know, that kind of serious faith, authentic discipleship. One of the elders said to me, Jason, you need to go to a charismatic church that preaches the Bible. You need to go to a charismatic church. You need to go to a liturgical church. Mm. Because he was like, well, you grew up in this church. This is what you know. Yeah. Why don't you go and see what God's doing in other places? Because he's doing all these seven things in different locales and different places. And I found a, I found a charismatic liturgical church. <laughs> it was great, but it really was great. Mm-hmm. And it was rich. And, and I started, I got to worship God in, in new ways. And it wasn't just about me, but, uh, but it was really helpful. Like we don't have a corner mm-hmm. on all that God is up to. We just have what he's calling us to do and we're doing it with everything we've got. Yeah. Amen. But thanks be to God. So why do we want to talk about this, Ben? Well, you know, like what? What do you like when when it jacked you up in seminary, and when you said, "I'm going to teach it in Saturday seminary," and you said we could do a podcast? What's been one of the great helps for you? Well, it's not just something I have to show up to on Sundays. It's something I get to be a part of. Like I, yeah, I, I just can't not talk. Like I, when I talk about these things, I get so excited about them because, again, like God's given this to us. Like this is His mm-hmm. gift to us. Like He didn't just save you and then go and just buy your time. Like just yeah, just wait. Like you, it's going to be like He's like no. I mean. I've, I'm giving you this. Yeah. And th- that's so, to me, I, I just say it and I, I don't, I, I know we say this word too much, but it, it really is amazing to me mm-hmm. that God would be so kind. And I just, part of my heartache for some is like, when we see the church, we don't see it this way. We just, we see another thing that takes up time, another box to check or, and this one's re- like real too is, the hurt of the last one or of that, mm. of that situation or that, what that person said to me. And that's real too. And I, and my hope is like, we can all find our spot. Like if this yeah. is how God sees his church, yeah. I want everyone to see that because the truth is I don't always see that. I get frustrated. Mm-hmm. I get tired and I don't want to like whatever, but this is how God sees his church and he wants us to be excited about it. And it helps us grow in the excitement and cover, love covers over a multitude of sins. It helps us understand, well, if I'm, if I'm seeing all this, you know, my church isn't so great at number six or number three or something like yeah. that. And, and you say, well, I can cover over that. I can say, Lord, well, would you, would you bring this into being? I can pray it into being yeah. kind of thing. And also I can start working towards the things I know God is doing when he thinks of the church. Yep. So if I happen to go to a church where there's not a huge space given to the power of the Spirit. And I'm not charismatic, so I'm not talking about tongues. I just mean the Holy Spirit is actively involved in our lives at all the time. And if people don't acknowledge that, they can't live into it. So if my church doesn't have that, well, then I can be part of him bringing the fuller expression of the church by just living into that just a little bit more or logocentric or, you know, missional or covenantal. So yeah, so it's kind of like an energy to be excited about what God is doing, but also a metric to kind of, there's yeah. seven things like, oh, this is who we should be. Yeah. It's a good reminder. It's a great reminder. Great reminder, even like for leaders at churches or elders to listen to this together or to listen to this and then come and talk about it yeah. and say, hey, how can we as a church grow? Um, well, Ben, thank you for going ahead and going to seminary, <laughs> paying all that money and then bringing it to us in bite-sized pieces. It's great. Uh, I 
love the church and I love it now even better because <laughs> now I have seven more things to love about it. So thanks for that. Everybody, thank you for listening and for being a part of this. Uh, we'd love it if you'd share this with anyone or comment or leave a review, ask us questions. We love that kind of stuff and we, we're here to help. So uh, I hope you encounter God's grace in your day to day. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.